Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Let's talk about Jesus. That was a great place to say amen. I, I don't know. Let me try that one more time. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen. All right, all right. Just making sure y'all are with me. Uh, I tell you, Satan is, uh, he's such a jerk. Um, he just is. That's why I'm so thankful for Jesus, because greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And so... We stand with him. We're going to talk about Jesus, not just any Jesus. Because if I were to say, let's talk about Jesus, and we were in the first century church, uh, you might say, which Jesus are you talking about? Who are you talking about? Which Jesus are you talking about? Because uh, it's a very common name in the first century. Uh, it'd be like if I said, well, hey, let's, let's talk about John today. You would say, well, which John are you talking about? John Daniels, John... You, you know, whatever, you, you know, a bunch of other guys named John, it's like, which one are you talking about? It's just like God to take something very common, like the name Jesus, and something very ordinary, like the name Jesus, and use it to show us something and someone very uncommon and very extraordinary. And so we ain't talking about just any Jesus, we're talking about this Jesus, because that's what this Jesus will do to your life and my life, is that He will take our common, ordinary lives, and when we come to know Him, and we live for Him, then He takes our common, ordinary lives and turns them into something very uncommon and very extraordinary, and that's what He wants to do in each of our lives. He wants to do that and use us in uncommon and extraordinary ways. And so we are talking about this Jesus today, this guy, this Jesus, now I'm not going to say, pardon me for saying that, he's not just a guy, this, this Savior, this Jesus, who will change our lives for all eternity. So that's who we're talking about. We're talking about this Jesus, the Jesus who was spoken of by the Old Testament prophets for hundreds of years before he ever showed up here. This, this Jesus who was uh, born to a virgin in Bethlehem and was announced by the angels and worshipped by the shepherds, this Jesus who was baptized by John the Baptist and set an example for all of us sinners to follow. We're talking about this Jesus who was tempted by Satan in every way that we are, yet was without sin. We're talking about this Jesus who preached the truth of the kingdom of God, who showed the reality of the love of God, and who hung out with sinners and scum and strays. This Jesus who touched people that no one else would touch, who loved people that no one else would love, who talked to people that no one else would talk to, set an example for us to follow this Jesus who in, infuriated the religious zealots and enthralled those who were cast out and pushed aside by these religious zealots. This Jesus who healed the sick and fixed the broken and fed the hungry and raised the dead. This Jesus 
who was humiliated and ridiculed and beaten to a pulp and, and, and pierced and slammed to a cross and pierced with thorns and nails and a spear and was forsaken by his father and forgave his killers before he breathed his last breath which purchased our salvation. This Jesus who rose from the grave and commissioned a scared ragtag group of disciples to go and do his work before he ascended back to the right hand of the Father's throne where he is right now interceding for you and me. This Jesus who will one day soon hear his Father say go when he will return in power and glory to take us home to be with him to forever. This is the Jesus that we're talking about today, this Jesus who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, this Jesus who is our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, and our soon coming King. That's the Jesus we're talking about today. This Jesus, that's who we're talking about. So I want to ask you something, what would we be doing right now if when Michael got up at the beginning of the service and he was making the announcements he said hey we got this coming up we got this mission project we got this mission project y'all go, y'all go buy some spaghetti michelle's going to come up and talk about women's ministry and then after she finished michael came up and said hey i got one more announcement i need to make to you when this service is over jesus is coming again he's going to walk through those doors back there now what would have changed by, in the way that you were worshiping the lord since that moment to now? What would have changed in the way you were singing? What would have changed when you were called to prayer this morning? What would have changed in what's going on in your mind and your heart right now, thinking, oh, man, I just got a few more minutes before he's coming back. I mean, I've got, you know, however, maybe John will preach a little bit longer today, you know, uh, so I can have some time to kind of get things together and get, get ready for this. If, I mean, well, there's some stuff I got to take care of. There's some people I need to talk to. There's some, there's some sin that I need to confess and repent of. There's some junk I got to get out of my life. There's some stuff I got to, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't ready for this. And, and he came, walked through those doors back there and came up here and stood right in front of us to speak to us. His church, his body of believers called First Baptist Church Flora. What would he say to us? What would he say? How would he commend us? You know, if you go over to the first, uh, the first part of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you go, there's a, there's a place in there, the first couple of chapters, where Jesus speaks to some churches. And some of the, uh, and, and there's seven of them, and five out of the seven, he says, hey, this is some stuff I want to tell you that you're doing really well. Man, y'all are doing this, and y'all are doing this, and I commend you for this, and y'all keep this up because you're doing really good. And then in five out of seven, he said, but it's something we need to talk about. What would he say to us? What would he say to First Baptist Floor? Man, this is this is where y'all are y'all are hitting all cylinders on this right here, man. Y'all y'all are y'all are getting after it right here. This is awesome, man. Keep it up. And you know, commend you for that. High five for that, man. Y'all are doing great here. But there's something i got to talk to you all about. Maybe that's why I'm distracted this morning. Between the 8.30 service, which had way over 300 people in it. Man, we were cl- probably close to 350 people packed in 
The 8.30 service this morning. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then after that, some distractions that... And some realization. I wonder what Jesus would say to us about that. Because if He's going to say it to us, He'd have to say it to you and to me. Because we are the church. So He wouldn't just stand up here and speak to us as a group like this, where, where folks can kind of hide and go, you know, he, he, I ain't got to do anything because He ain't really talking to me. No, if Jesus walked in, He would talk to the church. Which means He's going to talk to you and me if you know Christ. There's some of you He wouldn't talk to. Because he'd have to say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't care if you are sitting in church today, I don't know who you are. Well, yeah, yeah, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> Man, I, I'm here every Sunday. I don't know who you are. Jesus, man, I'm a, I give a lot of money to this church. I don't know who you are. Man, I've, I've been on mission trip. I don't know who you are. I'll... I'll I work with the youth. I don't know who you are. I work with kids. I keep babies. I don't know who you are. Now some of us, but, but when he's talking to the church, he'd have to come talk to you and me face to face. And so what would he say to you? And what would he say to me? Hey, you're doing great here, but I've got to talk to you about this. Because whatever you're thinking he would say to you right now, whatever you're under conviction maybe about right now, that's exactly what you ought to be dealing with today right now. Because he really is here by the power of the Holy Spirit. He really is here. He really is here. And so we need to think about that and we need to think about this Jesus. Starting a new sermon series today called Behold the Lamb of God. going to take us up to Easter. So we're going to be in the Gospel of John for the next several weeks, Lord willing, unless he shifts gears like he has been known to do over these last few weeks. But so far, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, like Michael said, grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. Look at verses 1 through, um, uh, one, I think we're going to go 1 through 14. I'd said initially 1 through 18, but we're, we're going to go 1 through 14. So if you got a love here and you turn in your Bibles, I hope you got your Bible. If not, try to look on with somebody or if you got the Bible app on your phone, go to John chapter 1. And let's stand together. Let me read this passage of Scripture for us. And like Michael said, the first verse is our memory verse right now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Jehovah's Witnesses uh, corrupt translation of Bible, the New World Translation, says, and the Word was a God, little g. They are wrong. They are wrong. Because this is talking about Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who was and is and forever will be God. So he was, with the, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So then the next couple of verses talk about John the Baptist. And look at verse 8. It says, He, John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Then it says the true light, that's talking about Jesus, which gives light to, the, uh, to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, because he was God, and is God. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all, that word all is circled in my Bible, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as, the, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
May God bless the reading of his perfect word this morning. Let me pray for us. So help us now, Father, by the power of your spirit to hear from you today. You are the teacher, Holy Spirit. So help us in these moments that we have together right now to respond in obedience as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. So let me tell you something real quick. So we're going to start the Gospel of John today. I want to kind of give you a quick, real quick background of the Gospel of John. It's the fourth Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know that first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is different. He writes differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke write in a more narrative style where they're just kind of in a chronological manner. I mean, you, go, you know, Luke chapter 2, that's the Christmas story. Well, you don't find the Christmas story in John. It's not there, not that he, he didn't believe that Jesus was born, but, you know, Luke kind of started back with Gabriel coming to Mary and, and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, Elizabeth being bab, uh, pregnant with John the Baptist, and then, and then and it came to pass in those days that it went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, all the world should be taxed, and so we get into the birth of Jesus, and we come out of the birth of Jesus, and then Jesus goes into the temple when he was 12 years old and amazed the guys and all that kind of stuff. And the next thing you see, you see Jesus coming to get baptized by John the Baptist. And right after he got baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit took him out into the wilderness where he was there for 40 days fasting. And then Satan showed up and tempted him. And then we get into his earthly ministry where he starts preaching, teaching, healing, and, and all that kind of stuff. John didn't do it like that. John, John's purpose... John's purpose is found, if you went all the way to almost to the end of the gospel, to John chapter 20, verse 31, you would see where John kind of sums up why he wrote his gospel. He said in John 20, 31, he said, these things have been written, talking about all the things he's written in his gospel, these, these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the one who came to pay the price for your sins. These things are written. The reason, the whole reason I wrote this gospel was so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the whole reason that John wrote, he wanted people to know about Jesus and that they could believe in Him and that they could be saved by believing. I mean, you got John 3.16, the verse of all verses in, in the Gospel of John. And, and, and it's just, this whole Gospel focuses around believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. you got that in John chapter 14. It's, it's, it's interesting. John, so Jesus had His 12 disciples. And then out of that 12 disciples, he had a, a, a group of three that were kind of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And they got to be with Jesus in some ways that the other nine didn't get to be with him. We said, well, that's not fair. Well, let me tell you something else. Out of the three, John was probably Jesus' best friend. He's probably Jesus' BFF. I mean, really, I mean, Jesus was a man. And he wanted to have a best friend, so there ain't nothing wrong with... Him as a man having a best friend, and John was probably his best friend. Out of Peter, James, and John, John was probably his best friend. They probably hung out in some times in some ways that Peter and James didn't get to hang out. The other, he was his BFF. And so you see that he, John knew Jesus intimately and personally. That's what you know about your best friend because you spend a lot of time with him. And you talk with him. You go hunting with him. You go shopping with him. You go on trips with him. You do all these kinds of things. You enjoy hanging out with him. And you get to know things about them that other people don't know. And that's the way it was with Peter and uh, with, with Jesus and John. 
And, that's, that's, and so John, because he knew Jesus so intimately, so personally, he wanted his readers, the people he wrote to, to know Jesus intimately and personally. And that's what he wants for you and me. That's what Jesus wants for you and me. Is to know him personally and intimately. And it is so sad that there's a lot of people that all they want from Jesus is just to get their fire insurance paid up. To make sure that when I die, I ain't going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. So tell me whatever I got to do to make sure of that. But ain't nothing else going to change in my life. Well, then you don't know Jesus. You've never come to know Christ. Because He changes everything. John, this guy that wrote this, ended up at the end of his life being boiled in a vat, a, a vat of oil. And that didn't kill him. So they d- dumped him off on the island of Patmos and exiled him where he lived the last years of his life. But while he was there, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to him and he wrote the book of Revelation. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus, he'll do extraordinary things with your life. But it's just so sad that some people, all they want to do is walk in the aisle, pray a prayer, get baptized, get dunked, and then ain't nothing going to change in my life. Well, then all you did was walk in the aisle and say some words and get wet. And nothing changed in your heart and life. That's why Jesus will show up one day in Matthew chapter 7 and say, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, and yet... Lord, didn't we do this? We cast out demons. We preached in your name. We did all of these things for you. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because this Jesus changes everything about your life. He changes the way that you are a husband. You guys need to step it up. If you know Christ... Then Ephesians chapter 5 says you're supposed to love that woman the way Christ loves the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? He hung on the cross for us and died for us and sacrificed his life for us. Can your wife look at you and say, I see that in my husband. That's how Jesus changes your life. And wives, when, when and if you see that in your husband then you're supposed to submit to his leadership as the head of the household. No, he's not the boss of, you know, you got to do what I say you got to do, you know. And if he is, he's a jerk. He's a punk. Slap him. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) But if your husband is living for the Lord, then as wives, you're supposed to go, I will follow you anywhere. Because Jesus changed. It's like this. I heard Adrian Rogers. He was the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church years ago. Big old mega church up in Memphis. And everybody, he's like the, the, you know, he's this awesome preacher. I still listen to him. He's dead and gone, died in 2005 from cancer at 74 years of age. But I still listen to it. They, they, his, he's on podcasts. They, all, I listen to him every week, three or four of his sermons. And he was preaching. He talked about this. He talked about, here's, a, here's an illustration of this. It's like a, a man and a woman getting married, and let's say their names are Billy and Susie. How about that? All right, so Billy and Susie got married. And so they finish up, beautiful wedding, beautiful wedding at the church. It's just great. It's wonderful. People there. And so they finish up. They walk out of the wedding, uh, walk out of the church. Everybody throws the bird seed and cheers and hollers, all this kind of stuff. And 
And they jump in the car and off they go, headed on the honeymoon. And so Susie looks at Billy and says, man, wasn't that a beautiful wedding? Oh, man, it's a beautiful wedding. That was just so sweet, man. It was just so wonderful. All those people. Baby, you look so good. You look so good, man. We've got to get on this honeymoon, man. You look so good. And Man, wasn't it so, yeah, so good that everybody was there. The flowers were beautiful, man. The music was great. It was just so good, man. Yes, it was, sweetheart. It was, it was special. Well, Billy, why don't you go ahead and take me home now? Well, baby, I can't do that. You know, the house isn't ready yet. They're still working on the house. It'll be ready at the end of the week after we get off our honeymoon, but we've got to go on the honeymoon. But the honeymoon. But, but the house ain't ready yet, so we'll, we'll go home after the honeymoon. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Why don't you take me home and take me back to Mom and Daddy? What, 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 what? Yeah, I want you to go ahead and take me home back to Mom and Daddy. Well, baby, we're married now. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. I accepted you as my husband. But don't expect anything else is going to change in my life. I don't want anything else to change in my life. I like, I like the way my life was with my mom and daddy. I like my bedroom at my house. I like the house we live in. I like the neighborhood that I grew up in. And so I don't want anything else to change. I accepted you as my husband. And I'll see you on the weekends. And because you are my husband now, when I get sick, you better come take care of me. And you better make sure I got some money and better make sure I got some food and stuff like that. You better take care and meet my needs. But I'm going to go live with mom and daddy. I don't want anything else to change in my life. That's how a lot of people view Jesus. I accepted you as my Savior, but ain't nothing going to change in my life. Well, then, just like that ain't, that ain't much of a marriage, that's not much of a relationship with Jesus. This Jesus, man, he's the eternal son of God. That's, what, that's why John jumped right into John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created by him, and for him, and through him. All things were created by him. He is God. So John jumps right into the, he, he. There's nothing wrong with Peter. I, I, I keep saying Peter. Matthew, Mark, and Luke writing about the birth of Jesus and all that stuff. But, but John just goes, no. Let's talk about Jesus right now, right off the bat. He's the eternal Son of God. He's the Word of God, which means He's the full and final revelation of who God is. That means if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You want to know how God loves people? Look at Jesus. Look at the way He loved people. You want to know how God treated people that everybody else hated? Look at Jesus and the way He did that. You want to know about God's grace and His mercy? And Well, look at Jesus. He'll show you how to do that. You want to know about God's plan for saving people who are lost their sins? Well, look at Jesus. You'll find out. This Jesus, He's the eternal. So the application of this message is that Jesus is eternal. This Jesus is eternal and gives anyone, gives eternal life to anyone who'll trust in Him alone for their salvation. This Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus. This Jesus. There's three points I want to give you, and it's 1159 according to that clock back there. So hang on for the ride. Here we go. This Jesus, point number one, can we put that up there? He's the eternal word who shows us what to believe. That's what he says there at the beginning. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. What happened when God's word, think about Old Testament. Think about God, Old Testament. When God spoke, things happened. Go to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. 
right? And he just spoke and stuff started happening. Planets, stars, galaxies show up. Oceans show up. Land shows up. Animals show up. Created. God speaks and stuff happens. Why? Because He's God. Because He's authoritative. Because He is all authority. He is all power. He has the ability, the creative ability and power to do anything. He is God. He does whatever He wants to do is what the psalmist said. He is God in heaven. So when it says in the beginning was the Word, and then verse 14 says the Word became flesh, which makes it very clear that John is talking about Jesus here. Jesus has the same power. Jesus has the same authority. Jesus can do, when Jesus spoke, things happened. When Jesus, the Word, showed up, things started happening. Things started changing. And He's the Word who shows us what to believe. He's the exact representation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Jesus is the exact representation of God's glory. So he's the eternal word that shows us what to believe. Y'all, there's so much out there. Your kids, man, this past Monday, I went down to Columbia to the association. Down, a bunch of y'all prayed for me on that. Thank you so much. I went down to speak at a pastor's conference down there. And we talked about cultural Christianity, how the culture has infiltrated and infected the church. And the truth of the matter is, these young'uns are the ones that are in the most trouble and the ones that are the most vulnerable because of this right here. And how so much stuff comes to them here. So much stuff comes to them through this thing that unfortunately a lot of folks let them have it unsupervised, unfiltered, no control whatsoever. And so they're hearing all of these things that they're supposed to believe. And yet Jesus is the Word who shows us what we're supposed to believe. And they've got to be pointed toward Jesus. And we've got to keep pointing our lives toward Jesus. And we've got to stay in the Word. I remember Dr. Henry Blackaby who wrote the, the study Experiencing God. He talks about whenever he is studying through the Word of God, like when he's reading through the Word of God, he said, I'm always going back to the, to the, uh, to the Gospels. Wherever I am, if I'm reading in the Old Testament, I get back to the Gospels as quick as I can. If I'm reading in, in Paul's letters, I get back to the Gospels as quick as I can because I want to look at Jesus. Because He's the Word who shows us what to believe. He's the light, the eternal light, who shows us where to walk. You see what John said there, verse, five, uh, verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, Jesus is the eternal light who shows us where to walk. Last, uh, last Wednesday night in Refresh, we had a sweet time of Refresh Wednesday night. Y'all please come to Refresh, our midweek service, 6.30 on Wednesday nights. I promise it'll just bless your socks off. I love our midweek time together. And so Matt was leading us at the end of the service. I think you kind of decided on the, uh, to shift the song at the end of the service as we wrap things up, and we sang the song, Here I Am to Worship, to kind of close out the service after we had a sweet time of prayer and Bible study and things like that. And we, we finished it out by singing, Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes and let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. 
light of the world, you step down into darkness. Why did Jesus have to become, have to come to us as the eternal light? Because people wandered around in darkness, the darkness of sin, the darkness of being lost, the darkness of not knowing Christ. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he said, you were once darkness. He didn't say you were once in darkness. He said you were darkness. Before you came to know Christ, you were darkness. You were just dark. The darkness of sin, the darkness of eternal death, the darkness of eternal separation from God, the darkness, the blackness, the darkness of sin is just seen everywhere. And you still see it. Man, we see it. You know, we just, we just wander around. We go this way and that way trying to find some truth, trying to find some purpose in life, trying to find some direction. And we just keep stumbling around in the darkness trying to figure out which way to go. When Jesus says, I'm the light. If you'll come to me, I'll shine the light in your life and show you the direction to go. We just keep stumbling, falling headlong into sin and temptation. Jesus says, come to me and I'll get you out of that junk. We just think if we'll walk as good as we can, if we'll walk into church as many times as we can, if we'll walk and try to keep as many of the Ten Commandments as we can, then one day we're just going to walk into heaven. One of the pastors this past Monday was talking, and he said, I want to tell you something that I'm, and you guys, he said, you guys are probably the same way. He said, I refuse, I refuse to try to, I refuse to preach someone into heaven. You know what he meant by that? I tell you what, the, the, the position that we as pastors get put in sometimes. Will you do Papa's funeral for us? Yeah. Who is he? And this pastor said, I refuse to preach somebody into heaven and try to get up and, and tell everybody there that this person is in heaven when they have shown no evidence whatsoever, no fruit in their life whatsoever that they belong to Christ. I mean, you can sing, go rest high on that mountain until you're on every mountain in the world. You can sing Beulah Land until you're blue in the face. You can sing, I can only imagine until you just can't imagine it anymore. And if, they're, if they don't know Christ, they ain't getting into heaven. They're not going to walk into heaven. I don't care how many times you sing those songs. I don't care what the preacher says up here. If they've continued their whole life, and if you are continuing your whole life to keep walking in the darkness of sin, you are not going to heaven. Because Jesus is the eternal light who shows you the way to go and shows you how to get out of that darkness. The darkness of your sin, the darkness of, your de of spiritual death, the darkness of hell. He will get you out of that if you'll come to Christ. So He's the eternal Word that shows us what to believe. He's the eternal light that shows us how to walk. And then He's the eternal Son of God who shows us how to be saved. The eternal Son of God who shows us how to be saved. He said in verse 12 there, He said a lot of folks were rejecting Him. He came to His own people, but His own people did not receive Him. But then in verse 12, it says, but, I love that word, but to all who did receive him, to all who believe in him, 
and receive Him. He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of human plans and passion, but children who are born of God. Born of God. Born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus is the eternal Son of God who comes and says, let me show you how to be saved. You come to me. You believe in me. You come to me. You receive me. And I will make you, I will give you the right to be a child of God for all eternity. And that's what he will do for you today. And he'll just, he'll, he'll do that for you. You walk away. Let's go back to walking in the eternal life. You walk away from your sin. You walk to him or run to him. And then you walk with him for the rest of your life. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. And he's the eternal son of God who shows you how to be saved. And he's the only way. He's the only way. I know a bunch of y'all like to watch Family Feud. How many of y'all like to watch Family Feud? Yeah, Steve Harvey's so crazy, and then people are giving all them crazy answers and all that kind of stuff. Broke my heart a couple of weeks ago. I found out something that Steve Harvey said about salvation. I mean, he ain't a preacher, so. But Steve, over the years, has given a given indication, given some indication that he was a man of faith that his mother was a Sunday school teacher, brought him up in the church. So he had a good upbringing and stuff like that. She was a Sunday school teacher. She died about 18 years ago. But just a couple of weeks ago, this is what Steve Harvey had to say when he was being interviewed by somebody. He said, I quote, There's no one way to heaven. It's like television. Now there's over 800 channels on cable, and they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure to get into heaven, there's got to be more than one route. Because somebody watching another channel or taking another channel than you, they're still getting entertained, and they probably still get into heaven. I like Family Feud, but Steve Harvey is dead wrong. I don't care how many channels there are. I don't care how many religions there are. That's what all these folks say. Well, it just can't be there's just one way. I mean, look at all the world religions. How can y'all say that y'all are the only ones and Jesus is the only way? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except they come through me. That's why we say it. It's because Jesus, the eternal Son of God, said that. And so today, in this place today, if you need Jesus... He's the eternal word who will show you what to believe. He's the eternal light who will show you how to walk, where to walk. And he's the eternal son of God who will show you how to be saved. And it's you come to him right now today. You come to Jesus. And you just cry out to him. He said, but to all, that, to all who believe him and receive him, he'll give you the right to be called a child of God.
So you come to him today. You believe that he's the son of God. You receive him as your Lord and Savior, and he will save you today. So if that's you, then come to Christ. This Jesus, this Jesus will save you today if you'll come to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, help us today, Lord, uh, God, to just come to you, to be real with you, Lord. God, in this room today, Lord, I pray for any person in here, God, that does not know Christ, young or old, male or female, God, that today would be the day that they say yes to Christ, they say yes to you, and they, they come to this Jesus, the one and only Jesus, and they give their lives to you, they accept you, they receive you, they believe and they come to Christ and they're saved today. So Lord, I pray in this room right now that you convict the hearts and lives of any person here that needs to be saved today. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. If you know, if you know that you need to be saved today, that you are not saved today, that the preacher would have to try to preach you into heaven because you ain't going to get there in the condition that you're in right now, then I want to invite you to pray with me right now and say to him, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And only you can save me. So Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the only way. And I receive you right now as my Savior and my Lord. And I will live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.